0: going to get into Titus, the book of Titus. Um, Titus uh, is a letter written from Paul to a guy named, ready for this? Titus. So that's how it got its name. And so we're going to be in that. So I invite you to start digging into your Bible to find the book of Titus, the New Testament letter. If you can find Timothy and Timothy, then you'll find Titus right after that. We spent the last 15 weeks in a series we called Faithful, where we're looking at sort of the personal qualities of what it means to be a faithful follower of Jesus. And uh, that really comes out of a theme verse that you know I felt led to for this year, and that's um, Psalm 145, verse 10. And let's read this together, the 2022 theme verse. Ready? All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. So that sense of we bring our worship to the Lord and our desire is to be faithful to him. But we are faithful to the God who is faithful to us. Uh, that's the that's the pattern and that's the desire. And so as we've talked about our own faithfulness, we're going to spend the next several weeks talking to speaking to uh, what it means to be a faithful church. And today we're kind of capturing with the word trustworthy. So we're going to dig into this. Um, and we're going to be in here for about six weeks in the book of Titus, talking about being a faithful church. And I recognize this book mostly speaks to believers. If you're a, 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 you know, a person who's not sure where you stand with Jesus yet, listen in and, and learn and let God's word teach you. But I would like to read Titus chapter one, verses one through nine. And if you're able, let's stand together today for the reading of God's word. Titus chapter 1 verse 1 begins this way: Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness in the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time and which now at his appointed season he has brought to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of God our Savior, comma, all right If you're ever studying the New Testament, one of the things you're going to learn about the Apostle Paul, he has a habit of writing in run on sentences. This is a good example of that. Verse four to Titus, my true son, in our common faith, grace and peace from God, the father and Christ Jesus, our savior, period. There it is. One sentence. Verse five. The reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. An elder must be blameless, faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Verse 8, rather he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Let's be seated together. We do thank the Lord for his word this morning. So what we have here is a letter from a mature leader to a younger leader. And one of the marks of a great leader is that they don't promote their own greatness. Uh, instead, they walk in humility. Uh, the, the greater a leader is, the greater a servant they will be. Uh, and the model, of course, for us is Jesus, who, as the Son of God, did not come to be served as he deserved, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for us. And so we want to kind of copy that life of Jesus in the way we are servants. But um, in this letter then to Titus, his what Paul calls his true son in the faith, Paul calls himself a servant of God. And then you see it's proved through his life when you read the New Testament. And this is one of the things to watch for when you're looking for a leader in in church or in your life or when you're seeking out a personal mentor, look for someone who can say with Paul in verse 1, I am so-and-so, I am Paul, I am Joanne, I'm whatever, uh, a servant of God. And then watch to see if they actually serve. Like Watch to see if that's true in their life and how they treat other people. And and not only will a good leader be a humble servant, they will know their purpose precisely. This is really important in your life to to understand your purpose. Paul said his preaching, and I picked this up from verses 1 and 3. Let's put this on the screen. Paul said that his preaching was to further the faith of God's elect, that's you who believe, and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. So knowing truth has a life application of a godly life. Through the preaching entrusted to me. So that's purpose, Paul's purpose. Furthering the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth through this preaching that he had been given. Now, I will say this. If the preaching that you listen to does not further your faith and your knowledge of the truth so that you can live a godly life, if that's not happening, you need to find another preacher. Even if it's me, right? Uh, find, you don't listen to any kind of so-called minister of the gospel who leads you to question the authority of scripture or someone who's kind of leads you to doubt the truth of scripture. That's not the kind of leader that we need, right? Listen to those whose teaching will grow your faith and grow your knowledge so that you can walk in a godly life, right? So the apostle Paul was writing to Titus who was on assignment from Paul, uh, to pastor what we come to find out is a somewhat difficult church in crete now crete's an island crete today is part of greece but crete is a strategic island in the mediterranean kind of below greece and below turkey and there's there's crete and it it didn't have a great reputation as a as a nation and the first task that titus had was to develop the leadership of that church by the appointment of elders and we'll talk about that in a moment. And so the goal was to establish a faithful church. Um, it's, I think, that's something we all want to be, right? We want to be a faithful church. We want to be faithful people as individuals. That's that's our desire. Husbands, like you, want to be a faithful husband. Dads, you want to be a faithful dad. Wives, you want to be a faithful wife. Uh, moms, you want to be a faithful mom. Students, you want to be a faithful student. Workers, you want employees, you want to be a faithful worker. Whatever your role is in your life, you want to be faithful at that. And be rewarded accordingly. And so uh, today, um, y- you know, in this desire to be a faithful church, we're going to ponder this word trustworthy. Trustworthy uh, because of the way Paul uses it in verse 9 when he says, you know, they the, talking about these leaders who hold firmly to the trustworthy message. Get this, as it has been taught. As it has been taught. And my question is, have you been taught a trustworthy message? Then if that's true, then that's what you hold to. Uh, when I was newly married, uh, I moved to the, to the big city, uh, and where my wife had already been living and she was going to university and, and, uh, so I left my job where I had lived and, and looked for work and I, I got hired on as a carpenter's helper. And my, my boss and for a little over a year I worked for him and he taught me the skills of the carpentry trade and um he was a very good he was a very good teacher and a, and a great mentor and and when i used his methods things would go pretty well and then sometimes i would try to be clever and like take a shortcut or uh y- you know try to tr- try some unproven technique which would almost always resulted in the cost of lost wasted time and wasted materials thankfully no wasted digits Kept all my fingers through that time, although it was close, Um, right? And yet when I used Dave's trustworthy methods, it worked out great. So in the same way, we want to be a trustworthy people holding fast to trustworthy Bible teaching. So I'm going to give you three trustworthy takeaways just from this passage this morning. Okay, ready for this? First one is a faithful church is trustworthy in leadership. Trustworthy in leadership. Another way to say this is this, that a faithful church takes leadership seriously. It takes leadership seriously. So the New Testament pattern is, is pretty simple. In the new churches that were being established, the apostle Paul, uh, or the apostle in this case, Paul would appoint a shepherd or a pastor who would appoint elders who were men that were to care for the people and the affairs of the church. And, and Paul said it this way to Titus, right? And he just faced, states his purpose right up, up front. He says, the reason I left you in Titus, let's go to that next slide if we got it. The reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Now, this is a little bit interesting. The New Testament doesn't actually record Paul doing any ministry in Crete. We don't know that. We know that he went by there. He, he stopped over there when he was in, in, in um in custody and on his way to Rome where he would be imprisoned. And there's some speculation that after he left Rome, he ended up going to Crete, but we don't know for sure. Uh, it would seem, though, he had some influence there. But this is the task to restore some, to bring some order in the chaos of this new church or these new churches in all these different towns. Um, it, it, we learn that it's really kind of a multi-campus church. All these towns had a had a fellowship. Now, I'm going to stir the pot just a little bit here this morning. I'll push some buttons just a little bit because uh, I want you to think seriously about some stuff. How we manage leadership in an established church. Remember, these are new churches we're talking about. So how we manage leadership in an established church, I think, is somewhat up to us. Uh, this is not a salvation issue that we're talking about. I'm thinking it's not even necessarily a doctrinal issue, but it's a practice issue. But we ought to take scripture seriously. And the biblical pattern, that's what I'm giving you this morning. The biblical pattern is leadership by elders who are men appointed and not voted for to lead and serve. For sure, after Pentecost, uh, church leadership was never by lottery or by by democracy. Church leadership was by appointment through the Holy Spirit. So, uh, for example, a good model for today might be something like a management team of of mixed people who are then like overseen by elders governed by, by that kind of body. It it is something to wrestle with and grapple with. Seriously. The, The best way to think of an elder, I would say is think of the role of a father, right? So those of you who are dads or granddads, you seek to protect and provide for your family, to lead them, to cover them. That's your role, right? And Well the kids don't always want to listen and they they won't always listen, but when they do listen, it actually goes better, doesn't it? It works it works well. And so it's a beautiful picture in the church of the role of a of an elder as a as a father in the church. Now in scripture, in Christ, we know that men and women are equal. They're equally saved, they're equally gifted, um, they're equal in partnership in so many that's just that's just plain from scripture. But just as the roles in your home differ, roles vary in the church as well. And like a mother can't be a father and a father can't be a mother. And and if I said, who's more important? Violet, I'm going to put you on the spot. Who's more important, mom or dad? (laughs) You can't answer that because they're both important, aren't they? They're both precious and valuable. But are mom and dad the same? No, they're not. They're different but they're both important. You can't even decide who's the more important one, right? And I think we need to think about the same way about gender roles in the church. So, you know, I I, I just think like we should very seriously wrestle with this as a people, equal in value, but differing in our roles. And poor Violet is going to have emotional damage from the rest of her life for being called on. Thank you for being a good sport. You're a good sport. Okay, I'm gonna leave that hot button there on the table, okay? We'll just leave that one there for now, except to say this last thing. Leadership in church, in a church is crucially important. It's crucially important. A, a, a beloved pastor in the U.S., a guy named Jack Hayford, said it this way. He said, every body needs a head. A body with no head is dead, and a body with multiple heads is a monster. So leadership is very, very important in the body of Christ, um, and so you you have to appoint people carefully and prayerfully. A faithful church is trustworthy in its leadership. All right. Second, trustworthy piece is this: a faithful church is trustworthy in character. A faithful church is trustworthy in character, or you could say it this way: a faithful church is led by and filled with people who have good spiritual character people who you know their life and their walk with christ right paul provides this amazing list in verses six seven eight and nine he says an elder must be blameless faithful to his wife a man whose children believe uh um, they're not wild and disobedient verse seven um he must be blameless not overbearing not quick-tempered not given to drunkenness not violent not pursuing dishonest gain verse eight uh, hospitable, loves what's good, self-controlled, upright, holy, disciplined, and holds firmly to the trustworthy message. Uh, that's an amazing list of qualities. And those of us who care, you know, those who care for us in the church and those who watch over us ought to be people who are at least moving in the direction of those qualities. Um, spiritual character in leadership matters. And I would say that's just something of an ideal. Like that's kind of the ultimate, that's the perfect picture of what we would see. And I would say it's qualities that we strive for as a people because a faithful church is not a perfect church nor filled with perfect people. And I will tell you this right now. Here's your chance to make $10 million. If you can find me one perfect person in this church, I will find you $10 million. $10 million. And if you are that perfect person, please leave before I find you, A. (laughs) And B, you're off the hook. We don't need you. If you're perfect, you're good to go. Be on your way. The rest of us imperfect people are going to continue to bring our mess to Jesus. Does that make sense to you? So I'm not saying, oh, there's some perfect people that should lead i'm saying we're in process together as god's people but this is what we're striving for we can grow in these things we want to be trustworthy in our spiritual character so things like being blameless that means we're cleaning up the messes that we've made in our life you ever made a mess i made lots of them in my life and it's super humbling to have to go around and say you know what i really blew it i'm sorry will you forgive me that's a blameless person um it, they're, they're faithful, meaning you're faithful to your spouse, those of you who are married. It means parents are parenting diligently. It means you're getting along well with others. It means you're not given to anger. It means you're not obsessed with alcohol or drunkenness. Um, you know, you're peaceful instead of violent. It means you're honest. It means you're willing to welcome people into your home. It means you love good things. It means you're self-controlled and upright and holy and self-disciplined, bringing some order to your life instead of just being content to perpetually live in chaos. Those are the kind of qualities that we want to grow in and we move toward. And, and then what really sets a good and godly leader apart, I think, and what makes a church stand out as a faithful church is found in verse 9. Look at verse 9 on the screen with me. It says he must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. If you will do that, I think the rest of those qualities we talked about are going to follow. If you will cling to trustworthy doctrine and, and, and encourage others, you're going to find all those other qualities fall into line. It's really, really important that we get that. And so we're going to say this. The third trustworthy is this. A faithful church is trustworthy in doctrine. A faithful church is trustworthy in doctrine. Now, doctrine is one of those churchy words that you think, I'm pretty sure I know what this means, but really I'm not 100% what it means. So like even I went to dictionary.com this week and just made sure I, I get this. And sort of my paraphrase of it is that it's, it's the body of teachings that we hold to from the Bible. It's the body of teachings that we hold to from the Bible. There's nothing new in our doctrine. Honestly, there's nothing new uh, that, that we believe. Um, scripture is authoritative for us. Uh, it, it hasn't changed. And so we're not only to hold to it tightly, but we're actually to refute those who oppose it. That doesn't always fit in our paradigm. We tend to be like, well, this is what I believe. You do your truth. I'll do mine. And and instead, he actually says we're supposed to speak back to those who would oppose what's true and trustworthy. That's not always comfortable for us. For example, part of our doctrine says that God created all things. And when he created us, he made us men and women. We're designed in God's image, right? And and, and all that God designed around that, he designed us to, to marry and have families if we're able. So if you have a church that says, well, that doesn't apply anymore, you know that that's not trustworthy doctrine. You refute that. Or if we, we, we talked this earlier, you know, that the, the sanctity of life, we say that life is precious, that children should be protected even in the womb. That's part of our doctrine. That's part of what we believe, a core belief for us. Um, and so we see in the Bible that there's an innocence in childhood. Jesus calls it a childlike faith. There's an innocence about childhood and we're called to protect. So when someone violates the innocence of children, it's not simply like, well, that's not a good idea. Well, that was, you know, a bad thing to do. No, it's a violation of our doctrine. And so when someone, you know, goes against that, like I said, Proverbs 31, 9, we're, we're, we have an obligation to speak for the voiceless. Or when I say that a faithful church, you know, will hold fast to trustworthy doctrine, I'm acknowledging that there are false doctrines out there. And it's nothing new. Almost immediately, as soon as the church was birthed, false teachers came on the scene and they were teaching all kinds of crazy, wild things that were in opposition to what was true and what was right. That's why Paul has to speak to it already. We're just talking a few decades after Jesus left the earth. And so, um, you know, here's the thing. A new teaching will always sound appealing it always sounds so good it sounds so compassionate it sounds loving it seems to make sense in so many ways but it's not the truth and it actually leads people into further bondage that's the problem with false teaching and so um then there's this problem that as humans i you know i've always, I've kind of wondered about this how does a good church sometimes we hear stories about good churches sometimes whole denominations that really go sideways on some doctrines uh, you know, they stop teaching, for example, that Jesus is the only way to salvation or things like that. You say, how does that happen? Well, what happens is as humans, we get loyal to whatever institution we're a part of. And so we get more loyal to the institution than we get to God's word. So then, you know, for example, I could stand up here and say, Jesus was a pink unicorn. And some of you would say, I'm not sure about that, but you know, I'm really loyal to my church and to the pastor. And so I'll go with it right? Uh, Like if I said that, that would be a good point to, you know, either walk out or take me out and leave me at the curb. Like, (laughs) right? Doctrine's really, really important. So don't let your loyalty to the institution become more important than your loyalty to God's word. Does that make sense? Okay. Be on guard. Don't let the cleverness of people who offer slick sounding doctrines sway you don't let the pretense of academic exploration this is a good one this pretense of academic exploration can trick you saying well we're just going to explore this this very you know untrue idea just to see what it really sounds like don't don't fall for don't fall for religion that tries to make everybody comfortable do you know that if you're always only comfortable in your walk with jesus you're missing something jesus calls us to follow him to leave everything behind and follow him I, I will just tell you from, you know, just very, speaking very, very personally here for a moment. I will wrap up really soon. I promise you. I just saw the clock. We're going to wrap up very soon. Um, there's a table at the back. There's got a little bit of information that about Becky and I, we're going to do an open house next week. If you want to come to that, hear a little bit about more of the ministry that we're launching into overseas. But like what I would have preferred is if Jesus said, you're doing great. Just stay where you are because it's really comfortable. you got a great home. you got great jobs. Everything's going great. you got a nice car. Like, dude, just stick with a plan because it's comfortable. That's kind of what I would have liked. And yet, he says, comfortable is not my calling on your life. So there's going to be things that like if your religion only makes you comfortable, you're missing something in your life. You've got to... You know, if you if you hear a teacher say, well, you know what we've taught for centuries, we've now figured out is wrong. Don't fall for that. Paul says you you are you cling to trustworthy doctrine as you have been taught. Right. Not based on emotions, not based on culture and so on. You stand in trustworthy doctrine. All right. I've made the point. Um, There's a lot packed in this little passage, these verses we could spend all afternoon here, but we won't. Um, But I will say this. We're only a trustworthy, faithful church if we're faithfully committed to God's Word. I'll say that one more time. We're only a faithful, trustworthy church if we're committed to God's Word. And the calling is on your life too. The calling is on your life to grow in faithful, trustworthy character. Right? Is that you? Could you say, I'm growing in character? I saw I saw a little meme this week that said the scariest place to be is the same place you were last year. I'm like, oh, that's a good thought. Are you someone worth following? Or are you moving in that direction? Are you seeking those who will help you grow? Because that's you want to be. Listen to good teachers. Find some good podcasts. Read a good book. And of course, the last thing I'll say is none of what we've talked about is relevant if you're not a follower of Jesus. Like you can disregard hundred percent of what i've said today if you have not chosen to follow jesus because jesus says come follow me and then it opens all this up and if you've never followed jesus but you want to we teach it to our kids crystal you were sharing that you know many of our children have responded to jesus they've given their life to jesus through our crew program which has just been amazing and they get great teaching in our kids church program at 9 a.m. They're being discipled. They're learning how to, they're learning the scripture. They're learning how to stand up for their faith. They're learning their spiritual gifts. Like all those things are developing in them, right? And the way we tell it with children is the same as we tell it to you. And you might say, well, I'm a believer in Jesus. Here's where I tune out. I'm saying, here's where you tune in. Because the day may come where like, like Ben here, you've got a friend that says, you know what? There's something different about it. I've been wanting to ask what it is. And you say, it's because of Jesus. I say, well, how do I do that? You say, it's really, really simple. A, B, C. A, I admit that I'm a sinner and I need Jesus. B, as I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He died for my sin and He rose again. And C, as I make a choice to commit my life to follow Him all my days. When you can think about that simple process, whether it's in your life for the first time saying, Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner and I need saving. And Jesus I believe that you're the son of God. You died for my sin and you rose again. And see I commit my life to follow you all my days. That's that turning point where your heart is turning and declaring Jesus as your Lord, the leader of your life. And if you'll do that, the promises he begins to make you new, uh, all things new. All things new. I'm going to just point out a friend of mine this morning you guys are visiting. Matthew and Gabrielle, who just started coming to our church last year, and we're just kind of getting to know you guys, and, and God was just stirring something fresh, and you got baptized, and then you got a job out of state, and you left us. And, and then you guys walk in this morning, cause you're visiting in town, and like, you, you're, you're, you're leading a, you're leading a youth group, you're involved in church, and you're just growing and growing and growing. Why? Because you made a decision to follow trustworthy doctrine. And as you said, I commit my life to follow Jesus. He's taken hold of you guys. And great things are going to continue to happen for you. So I just want you to understand that Jesus calls you to follow him. And if you've never done that, today would be a great day to give your life to Jesus. If you want to, you know, I'm just going to give an opportunity. We're going to bow our heads and then I'm going to lead you in a little prayer. If you want to pray that prayer, you can pray with me and let me know you prayed it. I'm going to lead you in something that just is along that ABC that we prayed. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. And if this is you, just pray this with me. Just say, Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner and I need saving. I believe in you, Jesus, that you're the Son of God, that you died for my sin, and that you rose again. And I commit my life to follow you all my days. And if that was you, if you prayed that today and you meant it, just would you let Crystal know or you let me know. And I'm just going to pray that the Holy Spirit seals that decision in your heart so that it becomes totally real. God, I thank you for gathering us together this morning. I thank you for the privilege of this to worship you. Thank you for the fun and joy it is to be together as your people. God, we, we thank you for the work of your Holy Spirit in our lives. Let us be a trustworthy, faithful church, trustworthy, faithful people. Follow me in all things, using our gifts to serve you and to be a blessing to the people around us. We thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com.